0: today, okay, we are joining, all right, a whole lot of churches in South Florida that are actually going to be working together, and we're going to be preaching for the next seven weeks on the same topic, which is pretty amazing, okay? This is part of this campaign called Explore God, and it's something that they're using the whole Super Bowl experience and Super Bowl Sunday, where there's people with a lot of questions right now. Right now, our city, guys, if you you don't know it's packed with people, you know. And all those people came for the game. They came, you know, for different things that has to do with media, with work, all these things. But it's a great platform also for people to find our God and for God to show up in their life. The other day, I was going to to to, to downtown and I saw this big billboard that it said, "Got questions? Explore God," and then I had a website. And actually, our church appears there on that website. So. To Today, we're launching that series, and it's called the seven big questions. That's a series that we're going to be launching today, all right? And today, we're going to be talking about something very important that I actually preached on this a couple of weeks ago, and today, we're going to dive a little further into that, which is with the theme of purpose, all right? Does my life have a purpose? How many of you guys believe that your life has a purpose? Raise your hand. All right, you guys do believe that. All right, so there's a video that we're going to launch. All right, that's that other video that we have, and that's going to be the start to our message. So pay attention to this. Why were we put here? I think everyone wants to know, why were we put here? Why are we on earth? My purpose in life is to um, to live a normal life, to, to be... Uh, a citizen, a productive citizen. I don't fully know why I'm here, but I enjoy that. I enjoy knowing that because then that creates endless possibilities for myself. I believe it's random, to be honest. I don't think there's a plan. I think you make your own destiny. Intentar passar por la vida de la manera más desapercibida posible. I would like to make a difference. Even if it's only in one life, I'd prefer to do more. Love, happiness, joy, yoga. I think oftentimes you, you realize what the purpose was more by looking back than, than looking forward in my way. Some people plan ahead and know exactly what their life is, uh, what their purpose in life is, in their mind anyway. I find direction in life by just meditating daily, Um, just coming out here to the beach. Whether it be spending time with friends or family or uh, putting some gas in my boat so I can go fishing and catch a few fish, go home, have a fish fry. Uh, I live day by day and I like to take it like that. Society wants you to think that your life's purpose is all about work Mm. and making money and uh, moving forward from that direction, but uh, I think that's wrong and I'm still trying to figure out what's right for me. I'd say that because I think the meaning of life, in my opinion, is to find something that you're passionate about and use that passion to make the world around you a better place. I I think everyone has a reason to live. Everyone offers something to this world, whether it be bad, whether it teaches people to be good, or whether. they're good themselves, but I think everyone has a purpose on this planet. So as you guys just saw, all those are questions that many people ask themselves. And it caught my attention that one of the girls on that video said that she believed that it's, life is just random. You know, whatever... You think it should be, you know, however you wake up, you know, you just go ahead and, and you live your day. And, you know, for many years, that's the way that I lived my life. You know, for many years, I, I lived for the moment. The, for many years, I lived for the weekend. And I know so many people like that, you know. They live for Friday to come around and Saturday to come around and once monday comes around they're like oh my god we got to wait 5 more days to friday to come back and then friday you're all happy and then the weekend is here and like oh now i got to go back to work you guys know people like that you know and then that's how they spend their life week after week waiting for the weekend and in reality, the reason that they wait for the weekend is that they experience and they live things on the weekend that they wish that they could live all the time, but, you know, they got to go to work and they got to take the kids to school and and all these things. I lived like that. I lived for what made me feel good for the moment, you know. I was living for the here and now and uh, really without a purpose in life. And the reality is that I lived life afraid. I was afraid of what was going to happen next. I was afraid of dying. And I know that so many people like that, you know, In trying to find meaning and purpose to my life. I was going out with friends. I was going clubbing and like, pastor, at what age you were doing that? Cause you gave your life to the Lord at 18, 16, 17, early part of 18. And I remember this not in specific. And I was sharing this with the youth on Friday night. I see some of them here. And I was sharing them this experience that, uh, you know, my parents had given me a curfew to come home. How many of you guys remember those parent curfews? You know what I'm saying? You need to be home at this time. You know, how many of you guys actually kept the curfew? Raise your hand. How many of you guys broke the curfew every weekend? Raise your hand. <laughs> now, I remember one day that uh, I went out with my friends like around 930 at night, and I didn't come back home till the next day at 730 in the morning. And when I got home, my mom and my dad were both sitting on the sofa with their hands crossed. And I was like, oh boy, I'm going to get it. Oh boy, it's coming. You know, Cuban parents, when they get mad, you know, la chancleta will fly. The belt will come out. Everything, you know, it's like, and then, you know, that boomerang, you know what I'm saying? Like thing that just flies and it just comes back to them. I don't know how that works, man. But I remember the grief and the pain and my mom and my dad, and they were like telling me, why did you do this to us? We called 911. We thought that something had happened to you. You know, I had grown up so overprotected that I went to play in the front yard. I might get hit by a car, you know, so now I'm out all night. I don't come back. It was crazy. So it was the time right after that, that I go out. And I remember I was in South Beach with some of my friends all the way, you know, by the pier. And I remember that I needed to get home, okay, in a certain time. And I'm there hanging out. And when I look at the watch, I had 10 minutes to get home. And I was living I was living by Shenandoah Park. And I remember that I, I told my friend, we got to go. And he goes, why do we got to go? I was like, I got to be home in 10 minutes. If not, I can't go out tomorrow. And he looked at me. And he goes, don't worry, man. You'll be home in 10 minutes. I'm like, you don't understand. I don't live here in the beach. I live all the way. We got to catch, you know, the expressway. We got to get off in the Gables and go across 22nd Avenue. He goes, we'll be there in 10 minutes. I'm like, how do you plan to get me there in 10 minutes? Guys, we got in that car. And we hit 120 miles per hour on the curve that you're going to I-95. When you're coming from the beach, that curve to get to I-95, that is just one, you know, it's just one lane. I remember looking out. My mirror, I was in the passenger seat and looking at the wall that is there, like this close to my face. That night as I was driving, I mean, as he was driving and I was getting driven home, I remember that I said, any of these nights, I'm going to die. I'm playing with my life, trying to find joy, trying to find meaning, trying to find happiness. We got home. You're not going to believe it. This is crazy what I'm going to tell you, but we got home in eight minutes. In eight minutes, from the pier in South Beach to 22nd Avenue and Coral Way in eight minutes. And the guy gets off. he's like, didn't I tell you that you get home on time? You still got two minutes to spare. Like, two minutes to spare? I'm about to have a heart attack here, bro. And when I got in bed that night, I was like, Lord, I am playing with my life. I didn't know God. But I'm like, I am playing with my life. You see, a lot of us in life trying to look for purpose, trying to look for meaning, trying to look for happiness, we'll go and we'll do all these kind of things. And the reality is that the way that I was feeling inside and this made me feel, I was still feeling empty. I was still thinking that I was going to die. Now, I didn't want to give God a chance. And a lot of times I find people like that, even in church, people that will come on Sunday and they'll listen to a good sermon and a good preaching, but they really don't want to get God too involved. Because my mentality back then at 17 and 18 is like, if I give God a chance, he's going to ruin my life. If I give God a chance, man, I got to follow all these commandments. Man, none of these commandments are fun. I don't see no commandments that says thou shall have fun. There was none of them. Thou shall have girlfriends. None of those commandments. So I was thinking, God is going to ruin my life. But I had this in my mind. I don't want to go to hell. And I know that the way to go to heaven is through Jesus. I already had all of that in my mind. So what I told God is like, God, let me live my life. And then when I'm about 70 or 80 years old that I've already done everything that I want to do in life, then at that time, I will accept you as my Lord and Savior and I'll live for you. Have any of you guys ever thought that before? That's the way that I was living? Like, God, don't mess me up now. I got some good plans. But later on, then you and I could talk because I don't want to be in hell. That was my mentality. Looking for purpose, looking for for for, for meaning to life. You know, and, and most of us, don't spend too much of our time thinking about these questions. Most of us don't spend our time thinking about this, but but we live like that. I feel like they're taking pictures of me with those lights over there. Now, if you do think about them, you know, even those people that are here today that, you know, you've been walking with God for some time and you've been going after Him and, and, and all that, even finding answers to life's simple question sometimes is difficult. Questions, for example, like... Who should I spend my time with? Where should I work? How should I spend my money? These are questions that have to do with purpose, and sometimes we don't even know. So we just spend all our money in this. You know, I was hearing a report of how many people in the U.S. get in debt in the month of December. Why? Because they start buying Christmas gifts for everybody and using their credit card because they want to please everybody, but they forget that January is going to come around, and those bills are going to show up in the mail, and you're like, "Why is this bill so high?" Well, cuz you bought so and so a perfume, you bought this guy shoes, you bought that guy a jersey, and all of a sudden, cuz you think that that's going to make you feel good and loved by people. And here's a few quotes about purpose. Some people said some of these things. Number 1. This guy named Leo Tolstoy, he said the following. Then what is life for? To die? To kill myself at once? No, I am afraid. To wait till death comes? I fear that even more. Then I must live. But for what do I live? In order to die? You see, some people are living like that. Why do I live just to die? Then Ernest Hemingway. How many of you guys know Ernest Hemingway? Every time you go to Key West, Oh, this is where Ernest Hemingway lived and this and that. Look what he said. Life is just a dirty trick. A short journey from nothingness to nothingness. They said that a lot of the things that he wrote, he wrote them while he was drinking. I guess he wrote that while he was drinking. Life goes from nothingness to nothingness. Henry David Theodore said, The mass of men live lives of quiet desperation. So many people are living lives of what? Of quiet desperation. So many people are living lives just in depression. Oh, pastor, but those are people out there. No, in the church. You see, even last year, we had news of pastors that committed suicide and took their lives. Because why? Because they, they were living in, in, this, in, in this quiet desperation that nobody knew about. And every once a month, I have a meeting with young pastors. I'm actually the oldest one, there in the group. Well, actually, there's one that is older than me. But he has like the, you know, he has a special place in that group. But the reason that we do that meeting is not so that we could discuss what are we doing in our churches and how are we advancing the vision and this and that. The reason that we do those meetings is that I had a burden in my heart with those young pastors. How are you guys doing, man? How's your family? How's your prayer life? How are you walking? How are you dealing with the things and the pressures inside? Because being a pastor is not, you know, a walk in the park. You go through a lot of stuff. Just last night I got an email like at 1045 at night that is going to cause me to mobilize a lot of things. And it has to do, you know, with an article that came out in the Orlando Sun Sentinel last week, all right, about about schools that use the step-up fund that is actually a grant of of money that comes in. And a lot of our kids at our school use those grants to come here. Well, in that article, it said that these schools were discriminating against the LGBTQ. And our name appeared in that list, in a list of like 136 churches. Well, guess what? The these people that are running for politics now, they're trying to use that in order to gain favor of votes and everything. And they said, we want to talk to all the companies that are funding these grants. For example, one of them is Wells Fargo and different banks, First Bank. and all. He goes, where are you guys at? And just from Friday to now, they've defunded the fund by $6 million. So there's going to be a trip to Tallahassee by Tuesday morning. They're trying to organize pastors and parents. And if you have your kid in our school... Man, this is a moment that you consider going over there. Why? Because next year there might not be a grant money. So right now, after this service, I'm actually having a board meeting before the other service. Because we need to make decisions. So all these different pressures and different things will get you to the point that you're constantly running. But when you think about the life purpose and meaning... You put that to the end till you're finally in bed and you say, you know what, all this running around and all these things, does it really have a purpose? And a lot of times, the the, the thing that most knows the real you is your pillow. Because sometimes you could be sleeping next to a person and that person next to you does not even know all the issues that you are going on inside your heart. The first person that asked themselves questions about the meaning and the purpose of life was this king of Israel back in the day. And his name was Solomon. And he writes in one of his books, if you guys could go to Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 2. Look what he says. He goes, everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. He's starting out this book and he says, everything is meaningless. You imagine that? That to me sounds like a guy in depression, man. You see, in his introduction and later on as in conclusion, he implies that riches, power, status, education, sex, adrenaline, knowledge you name it all these things will not give us meaning. They can maybe give us a temporary high that you feel good for a little bit, but once that high leaves, then you're back to the same questions. And in verse 16 through 18, if you guys could go there, Ecclesiastes 1, he's going to talk about some of the stuff that he did in order to to find meaning to life. And he said, I said to myself, look, I am wiser than any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. But I learned firsthand that pursuing all this is like chasing the wind. The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge is only to increase sorrow. What a crazy statement that is. To increase knowledge is only to increase sorrow. And then in chapter 2, starting in verse 4, he continues writing, I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself, and by planting beautiful vineyards. I make gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I build reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and other were born into my household. I owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who have lived in Jerusalem before me. I collect a great number of silver and gold and treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Listen to this verse. Anything I wanted, I would take. That is crazy. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was so meaningless. Like chasing the wind, there was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Imagine this, man. I'm reading that and I'm starting to get depressed here as I preach to you, man. And he finally gets to this conclusion in chapter 12. At the end of his book, at the end of his life, verse 1, then verse 7, and then verse 13. It says this, Don't let the excitement of your youth cause you to forget your Creator. Honor Him in your youth before you grow old and say, Life is not pleasant anymore. That's so powerful. Young people that are here. Don't put off God to later thinking that he's going to make your life boring. Go after him while you're young. Because life will bring you problems. And if you don't get God now, your heart is going to get hardened later on. And it will be harder for God to be able to work in your heart if your heart is already like a rock. You need to make sure that at your young age, man, you go after him. Verse 7 says, For then the dust will return to the earth and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. And verse 13, this is the whole story. Here is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey His commandments, for this is everyone's duty. So at the end of his life, this is the heart of today's message, guys, and I want you guys to get this down and write this down. Life is meaningless without God, but God gives meaning to everything. Life is meaningless without God. If you're just going to live life without God, you're not going to find any meaning. But God will give meaning even to the smallest thing in your life. You'll find meaning even in the little details. Your purpose, guys, is in God. I want to repeat that again. Your purpose is in God. You cannot find your purpose outside of God. Because he's the one that had a purpose for you before you were placed here on this earth. You will never find your purpose outside of God. And here in Numa Church, we are big on that. Part of our vision, and like I said in that video, we simplified our vision to four phrases. And one of those phrases is live on purpose. Can you say that with me? Live on purpose. Live on purpose. Purpose. Live on what? Live on purpose. We want you to live on purpose. We don't want you to live a meaningless life, an unfulfilled life. Like I said a few weeks ago, I don't want you just to simply exist. I want you to live, man. God wants you to live. And if you... Are here, or maybe you're new. You've joined our church. Maybe you're checking us out. Maybe you're watching online. One of the tools that we have for that is our growth track. And today we have step one of our growth track. As soon as we finish the service, and the growth track is designed to help you discover your purpose in life. What makes you tick? What makes you go? What do you get excited about? What are the things that get you excited in life? I want you to consider your life today. This is the first weekend of February, okay? We're still starting the year, all right? First month went by already, but we're still starting the year, all right? I want you to consider your life. I want you to consider the decisions that you're making, all right? Where you're going, what What are the decisions, that do they go aligned to the purpose that God has in your life? I want you guys to differentiate, listen to this, between believing that God exists and living as if he exists. I want you to make a difference. I'm going to repeat that. Okay, between believing that God exists to everybody believes God exists. But there's a great difference in living as if he exists. I want you to listen to this. One of the fastest growing religions in America is practical atheism. What in the world is that, Pastor? It is populated by those who claim to believe in God, but live as if he doesn't exist. So when you live life as if God doesn't exist, oh, but God is there, or you live life like he doesn't, you do whatever you want. And there's no purpose. You live frustrated. You live for the weekend. You live for the high. You live for the party. You live for the Super Bowl. Hey, I'm excited about the Super Bowl today. But whether Kansas City wins, whether San Francisco wins, you know what? I'm satisfied and I'm happy in God. You know, they're not going to send me a $1 million check in the mail because I watched them and I rooted for them. And even if they did, you know, I welcome it. You know what I'm saying? But even if they did, that's not going to give me a satisfaction. Look at this quote. This is an old DC talk quote, but actually it's from a guy called Brandon Manning. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny Him by their lifestyle. Woo! You see, at the end of the day, church, I'm going to start wrapping up. When you're taking your last breaths in life, when life is coming to the end and you've already lived All your years. You're not going to be longing at that moment and saying, man, I wish I would have made more money. At that moment when life is coming to the end, you're not going to say, man, I wish I would have achieved more status. I wish I would have networked with so-and-so and and with so-and-so because that would have helped my company move forward in life. When life comes to the end, that is not what you're going to be thinking about. And that's why I'm wearing this jersey here today. Because last week when I heard the news that Kobe Bryant was in a helicopter that crashed and that he was dead, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it because I was like, here's this 41-year-old who had an amazing life, has a beautiful family, he's doing all these amazing things, and here goes his life. As a basketball fan, I was heartbroken. But you know what broke my heart even more? I want you guys to look at this. As a father, thinking how those final seconds must have been with his daughter on that helicopter. I wonder how those final seconds were when they knew that they were lost in that fog and that they were diving. The story said that they might have hit that mountain at about... 185 to 200 miles per hour. You imagine that? I imagine what was the last few seconds conversation that he had with his daughter. As he hugged her, he didn't say, man, I wish I would have won two more championships so that I could beat Michael. He didn't say at that moment, oh, I wish, you know, I would have signed a bigger contract with the lady. No, he didn't say none of that. You know what the most interesting thing is? That it says that before he got on that chopper, he had been at church at 7 o'clock in the morning. That's crazy. You see, and this whole week to me, it was crazy. Because I really believe that he had fulfilled this purpose in his life while he played, but now... So much more life ahead, 41 years old. But I stood in this platform two weeks ago and I said that your days here on earth are determined by the purpose that God has for you. So whenever your purpose is done, it's time for you to go. It's no need for you to stick around. Whether you're 41 or 85, if you're 85 and you're like, man, I have pain all over my body. Like I told you last week, I was talking to my mom. She turned 85 and I go, mom, how does it feel to turn 85? Because I'm turning 43. And she goes, when you turn 85, everything hurts. And I was like, esa no es la respuesta que yo quería. I don't want to hear that, man. What do you mean everything hurts at 85? And she goes, it hurts to get out of bed. I'm like, to me now, it hurts to get up from bed. You know what I'm saying? But God still has her around. And you see some people that they're living. and You're like, hey man, what's going on? There's still a purpose. And the question that I ask you today as you sit here. Do you know what's the purpose that God has for you? Do you know what God put you to walk on this earth for? Are you living for that purpose? At least are you taking steps? Listen, at the end of the day. I think it's always a journey. And what I mean by that, I feel that you're always going to be walking towards your purpose. I'll never forget. And I'm going to close with this. I started working in church in 1999. I was just about 22 years old. And I couldn't believe I was already working in church. And I remember a pastor called me to his office, and he told me the following thing. He told me, Chris, do you notice that you're 22 years old? You're already working in church. You're about to get ordained as a pastor. He goes, you are already walking in the purpose that God has for your life. He goes, there's people that will live all their life and never find out what the purpose for them is. And you're 22, and you're already walking in them. And he told me the following. He goes, just make sure you stay faithful to God so that you don't miss out on what God has for you because you're already walking in that road. I say, like, whoa, those are some wise words, man. Because as a pastor, I can mess it up easily. But if I continue walking in faithfulness and in integrity, you know what? I started my journey at 18. At 22, I was working for church. You know what? That's it. But it's not that I arrived. Every day, every day, I continue walking in that purpose. That's the plan God has for each of you. A beautiful purpose and a beautiful plan. And I want to end with Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven. Most of you guys, if you're Christians, you know that verse. But if you're not, I want to let you know what it is. And if you already know it, I just want to remind you of it. Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good. How are God's plans for you? For good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. So the Bible says that God knows the plans that he has for you. Who knows the plans? God. The question is if you know the plans that he has for you. He knows them. To you? Do I? I want you to close your eyes right there where you're at. Life is meaningless without God, but God gives meaning to everything. Right there in your heart, I want you to take this moment and just tell the Lord, Lord, I want to live for the purpose that you have for my life. I want to live for the plan that you have for my life. Lord, I am tired of living a meaningless, purposeless life. And I want to go after you, God. I want to be diligent in looking for that purpose. I want to go after it with all my heart. I don't want to waste my time here on earth. So Father, I pray for each person that is in this room right now. All those that are asking questions. All those that are in a transition in their life. All those, Father God, that have found their purpose. And little by little, they're advancing that purpose. I pray for all of us, Lord. For your grace, for your favor, for your goodness, for your guidance, Holy Spirit. Let us be sensitive to your voice. And let us take advantage of the tools that you put in front of us, Lord. And right there where you're at with your eyes closed. If today you're listening to this message and you're like, Man... You're saying up there, Pastor, that God has a plan for my life. I'm not even sure if I know that God. I don't even know if I have a personal relationship with that God. I want to close this service today by letting you know that that God loves you so much and that God wants to have such a close relationship with you that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, not to start a new religious movement, Not for you to think that he's up there on a cross. The Bible says that God sent his son Jesus here to earth to live a perfect life. A sinless life. So that he could take your place and my place on the cross. Why? Because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The payment of sin is death. And we have all sinned. So we all need to pay for our sin. But the Bible says that he loved you so much. That he gave his one and only son. When Jesus died on that cross, he was paying for your sin. He was paying for my sin. Because he was perfect. He was spotless. He never committed sin. He was the perfect sacrifice. And when he died, he carried away your sin and my sin. But when he resurrected, he gave us the gift of eternal life. Which means that now you are reconciled with God. Now, even though you're imperfect, His perfection comes upon you. And now you can have a relationship with the God that created you. And that's where your purpose starts. So if you are here this morning and you're like, Pastor, that makes so much sense. What do I need to do? You need to invite Jesus into your heart. You need to receive Him as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says, believe with your heart. And confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. So if you're there today and you're like, Pastor, I want to make that decision today. I want to confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want you to make this simple prayer with me. With your eyes closed and head bowed, I want you to pray and say, Lord Jesus, today I make the decision to receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for paying for my sins. And thank you for giving me the gift of eternal life when you resurrected from the grave. I ask you to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior from this day forward. And take me by the hand so that I can live the relationship For which my heavenly Father created me for. And that I can start living for the purpose that you have for me, God. All these things I pray in Jesus' mighty name. And we say, Amen. Amen.